Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. You do. I'm going to be speaking in a few minutes to Malachi Steenson. Now, Malachi, as you know, is a family law solicitor, as well as on other civil matters as well. Uh, he doesn't do criminal law, by the way, but, uh, well, I'll ask him. I don't think he does criminal law. Uh, but we'd like to get your questions. So for about a half an hour or so, I decided to bring Malachi on with a different hat. He's normally on talking about different topics, etc., etc., uh, and talking about topics related to things that he would be aware of, uh, but not with his solicitor's hat on. So what I want to do for the next half an hour is if you have any questions at all in relation to family law, uh, in relation to your will, somebody's died, somebody's born, access to children, divorce, separation, um, whatever it happens to be, whatever your questions happen to be, uh, you can text them or WhatsApp them to, to 087 188 That's 087 Or indeed, go on to the Niall Boylan Twitter account. You can put the question up there or onto our Facebook account. You'll see the quest. Uh, Malachi's there as well. So if you have any questions at all, now, for obvious reasons, we can't bring too many people on the air. We can only bring people on the air with vague questions, all right, for obvious reasons, because they are legal matters. But the one thing I will remind you, that Malachi's answers are only advice. Uh, you are obviously always advised to go to a solicitor, go to Malachi or go to any other solicitor and talk to them privately, give them more details because, of course, your question obviously is one side. It's based on your experience, all right? So those the answers to the questions he's given you are based on what you are telling us in the question, all right? So again, the advice, as we would if we had a doctor or a vet or anything else on the air, is always to get a second opinion or indeed to go to a solicitor and speak to the solicitor privately. Now... So, and also, I do want to talk about water charges, too, a little bit later on. Yes, it's back just when you thought it was going away. Water charges. Remember all that in Jobstown and people marching up and down O'Connell Street and they said, oh, that's it. Oh, yeah, we give in to you. These are great Irish protesters. These are wonderful people. No more water charges. Well, it's back again. Ireland needs to reconsider the introduction of domestic water charges, increase waste fees and implementation of congestion charging to meet its environmental targets. And this is according to the Organisation for the Economic Cooperation and Development, the OECD. So it's coming back again. Mm-hmm. Irish water back in business, it seems. Well, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. And I'm going to be asking the question. And I thought, I remember we went through a phase for nearly a year talking about water charges. So do you want or do you believe you should have to pay for water? Now, they are focused very much on wastewater. So, for example, you're out on a Saturday afternoon cleaning the car. But it will go back to using meters in the ground because those meters have been in the ground. Remember all those meters that were put in? None of them have ever been really used. So it goes back to that again. Would you be happy to pay for wastewater? In other words, you were given a certain allocation of water every month. And if you go over and above that or wastewater, um, that you will be charged a fee for it. Other countries in the world do it. We don't. But the argument is we pay more taxes than other countries in the world. Uh, and that's why it's included in our taxes. Or as one politician said in RT News at the time, going back four years ago, oh, you have to pay for water. Like It doesn't, it doesn't just fall out of the sky, you know. <laughs> It, well, it does fall out of the sky, doesn't it? Now, we have to treat it, obviously. All right, we'll do that a little bit later on, by the way. Would you be happy to pay? Well, nobody's happy to pay things, by the way. But do you believe it's fair that you have to pay for wastewater? Let me know what you think. Now, back to the question. So if you have any questions at all on a legal matter in relation to civil law, family law, uh, in relation to wills, death, births, access to children, separation, divorce, uh, whatever it happens to be, custody of children... Uh, please text in your question. Make it reasonably brief, but give us as much information as you can in a very short uh, message. And you can text or WhatsApp it to 87 And joining me on the line is family law solicitor Malachi Steenson. Malachi, good evening to you. Good evening, Nora. Are you looking forward to protesting for water again? Well, I 
thought we'd moved on from that one, but sure. <laughs> there, you, there you go. Well, Malachi, look, I have you on with a different hat tonight, with your legal hat on. Firstly, how I, I just throw out this question, I'm sure everyone wants to know the answer to. When it comes to court cases at the moment, you know, family matters, access to children, um, divorce, separation, and all these matters, uh, how are they getting on in the courts? Have the courts been closed? Have they been open? Are, is there a backlog now? Or are they actually hearing cases at all? Yes, to all of those things. <laughs> right. So they are hearing cases. Yes, but in, in, for instance, the district court, particularly in Dublin, up till relatively recently, they've only been issuing summonses for domestic violence applications. Um, and hence, uh, the media were then able to come out and say that the number of applications for domestic violence had increased during COVID. Well, considering that they were the only applications that were being accepted and... It looked disproportionate, I suppose. Of, of course it did, because there was no other... Okay, well, you would agree. I, I would imagine, Maliki, you know, in the last 14 months, that because people have been cooped up together who might not like each other too much or, or learn to dislike each other, that domestic violence and that kind of acrimony has been going on quite a lot more than it would have been previously. Of course, people get on each other's nerves. But does that lead to a breakdown in the marriage or a relationship Many people, I would suggest, have used the availability of domestic violence applications in order to get rid of somebody, perhaps. Um, and if, if somebody, for instance, in a barring order application succeeds, where does the other party go in a period where everything is locked down? There are no rental properties to be got. There are no hotels, for instance, for somebody to go to. So somebody could be thrown out on the street, literally. Mm. And, you know, on something that may or may not stand up ultimately in court... Protection orders, I would suggest, are given out too easily. And protection orders. So anybody can get a protection order or a safety order. Well, there are various legal requirements, you know, to qualify for one. But a a protection order is an order that's given when a judge just hears one side of the story. So any kind of, and with all due respect to judges and the courts, anybody with any kind of a cock and bull story can get a protection order. Well, well, that's because the judge is going to err on the side of caution, isn't it? Yes, and perhaps, you know. Protection orders would be okay if... I mean, if, if, a, woman, if a woman goes into a judge and says, Your Honour, without the, the, the husband being there or the boyfriend being there, whatever, and says, my boyfriend's giving me a hiding every now and again, the judge is not going to say, well, I don't believe you, I'm not giving you a temporary order. So he's just going to give her the temporary order until it comes back before yes, the court. and the, the difficulty in that is that that may not come on for full hearing till six or eight months down the road. And in the interim, you know, and this is not to take away from, from people who are in those situations, right? But very many of the applications are now based on what is now termed emotional violence, not actually physical violence. Coercive control. Well, well, that hasn't seeped in so much, but elements of that. Um, and, you know, emotional, one person's emotional kind of situation may be different to somebody else's. Different have, people have different types of relationships. Yeah, I mean, look, couples argue. And some per- one person could t- could talk about that argument as being a- as some sort of emotional violence. Yes, and and somebody else might say, well, that's very just a, it was just a row. It was know, just a row. No had. milk in the fridge or something. You know, <laughs> yeah, it was um, no milk in the fridge. And then that takes a life of its own. And you see, the difficulty with a protection order is it gives the person in whose favour the protection order is made the ability to ring the police, and the police must come and remove the, the other person and accept what the person who has the protection order is saying. And then, potentially, that person, the, the person who's mm-hmm. removed, is charged with breaching the protection order, which 
they may on which the the, the the applicant for the order may or may not have been entitled to in the first place because it mightn't stand up when the safety order comes on. Okay, well, I, I get back to safety orders. There's a couple of questions in relation to that. I'll go back to them. I have loads and loads of questions, but my people are texting in. Um, and if you're ready to answer a few questions, I know I've got to cut you off, off guard on some of these questions because you may not. I, I understand that you won't, we have, do our best. Well, you won't have an answer for every one of them. All right, so he says, can't go on the air, but just a question from Malachi. I'm the only child, and my father plans to leave an acre of land in as well. I have no interest in it at all. Am I legally obliged to accept it, or can I just walk away from his bequest? I love my dad, but just have no interest in receiving the land in the will, says Aaron and Galway. Aaron can just sell the land when he gets it. But the difficulty, if he has, if he rejects it, is that he may well be, depending on the value, you know, it's only an acre, it won't make any difference, but if it was a substantial amount of land or money... there be an inheritance tax. Well, if I brought him over the inheritance tax threshold, which is, for a child, uh, is, give or take, 340,000. So he would be liable for... For, for inheritance, inheritance tax. tax over that. Um, I, but I, can I you say, I don't want us? I wonder if the... Well... <laughs> well, not really. You know, he can just sell it. It's an unusual and, situation, you know, all right. Um, it's a very unusual situation, and I think perhaps there's somewhat more to the story in that perhaps he's only getting an acre and somebody else is getting more. <laughs> and yeah. that may well be where the, the problem lies. Okay, um, uh, well, let's try to get to more of these questions. Okay, so the answer, I'm sorry, Aaron, is no, you have to accept it and just hope it doesn't go over the inheritance Well, tax. it's unlikely at an acre, you know, unless it's an acre in D4 or something. Well, well if it's an acre in D4, I don't think Aaron would be for refusing it, to be honest with you. It's probably an acre somewhere where it's just reasonably worthless, probably. That's probably yeah, but it, everything has a value, so, I mean... Oh, it's worth something, yeah. It could be worth 10 grand. <laughs> yeah, why is there no child maintenance agreement between Ireland and the USA? My daughter's father has refused for 12 years to support her. He moved back to the United States in 2009 for months before becoming an Irish citizen? Well, for many of the reasons um, that this country has no reciprocal arrangements with many countries. I mean, right throughout Europe, there, there are reciprocal arrangements. And I, I don't know if there's one with the US. Um, but if he was, if it was the other way around, he would be dealt with very severely for not... In other words, if he was an US. Irish father and it was a mother got off with the two kids? Well, if, if it was an American order and you didn't pay our maintenance, it's a very severe um, penalty over there for that. I mean, you could easily be locked up. Right. Whereas here, if you don't pay our maintenance, really, right, okay. very few people go to jail. You know? Okay, can you ask the guy um, if I can take against my brother? My father died two years ago, and since then my brother, who's 42, appeared after 20 years missing and was living with my 85-year-old mother. I stopped talking to her about six months ago because she came really hostile towards me as he's basically brainwashing her and thinking I was against her all the time. I, I have looked after her and my father all my life. She has now left everything to my brother, including two properties she owned and a new car. Can I challenge this? Uh, as I know he's manipulated her. I was with my parents four years ago when they wrote their will and they didn't want him to get anything. Well, yes, and yes, she can challenge it. Um, it would be an expensive challenge. But she would have to prove that our parents, on one hand, were, were um, unduly influenced and by this other brother. You know, he may well argue that he came back the, the prodigal son and they, they, they were making up for the time he was missing. <clears throat> um, she, she could make a challenge. But if our parents have looked after her during her life, according to their means, then a Section 117 application would be unlikely to succeed. Okay. Would there, would there be a settlement out of court, possibly, in some of these cases? Well, whereby... it would depend on the, on the particular circumstances around it and the likely success of either side. And yeah. in, Inevitably, those things are settled.
Okay, so they're settled usually out of court rather than going to court. But because the likelihood is you're depending on the mood of the judge on the day, aren't well, you? Well, yes, but you're also depending on the mood of the brother. Right, okay. Right, whether okay. he wants to settle it or whether he wants the whole boy. Okay. Uh, my wife constantly doesn't turn up for access order to my 12-year-old and claims my son or my son doesn't want to go to my house overnight. Can I do anything? Because every time she just disobeys the order of the court, but I can't keep affording to go to court. Well, unfortunately, I don't know of any woman who's been locked up for refusing access or, or for refusing to obey a court order. On the other hand, men are more likely, you know, to, to, to be jailed for something like that. In reality, in the real world, no. So there's nothing he can really he do. He can keep going back to court and he can keep getting her brought in for a breach of access. But she, 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 will she get fined or anything at all? No, no. very unlikely. Well, she can't get fined. But so what sort of excuses well, What sort of excuses do mothers give? I mean, you've obviously been there in family well, law courts. I, I don't know about individual cases, but what sort of general excuses well, they give for not turning up? They say that the father's a danger to the child or some kind of a lunatic, drink, drugs, gambling... Even, even, even if he's not? Even if he's not, yeah. Um, and, you know, they say the child doesn't want to go. Now, various reports can be got, but at the end of the day, court orders are only as effective as, as the parties are prepared to implement them. Right, okay. I'm thinking of getting divorced from my husband, but I don't, I don't earn too much. I know he won't be amicable. We are still together, in brackets. I checked already, and I'm not entitled to free legal aid, but I've heard separation and divorce can be expensive. So this is somebody who's in a kind of financial trap, I suppose. Well, I mean, the, the threshold for legal aid, I'm not sure what the threshold is. I think, uh, I think it's 35000 now, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so, I mean, if she's earning more than the threshold, then she can afford a reasonably priced lawyer. Okay. Um, but the reality is... Well, that, that depends the, on how amicable the divorce yeah, is. And the, what people need to remember is that the, the more they fight, the higher the bill. Yeah. You know, because you're paying for people's time. Yeah, but isn't, it, people, but, it, but isn't the problem that if you've got two people in a divorce and one is getting free legal aid and constantly bringing the other one back and forward to court, well, that's a bit unfair, exactly. that whole system, isn't it? Yes, but at the end of the day, what the person on legal aid doesn't realise is that if there's a financial payment to them, say, from the sale of the house, that the legal aid board will take a substantial chunk out of that. I've always been confused about free legal aid in this country. Is it actually free? Depends. You see, there's, the law in this country really... It's only fair to those who have plenty of money and can afford it, and those who have no money and can't afford it. Right, so if if I get free legal aid, but if I get free legal aid and I have no money at the end of the case, and let's say two years down the road I get a really good job, does that bill hang over me? Is it like a judgment on me or something? No, and uh, and there's an argument that it should. I don't think anybody... I mean, there's certainly an abuse of the system. And I, I think that... Well, if people get a service for free then they don't value it. This is why the big firms charge huge premiums for even talking to you. Okay. Because people tend to value the advice that they pay more money for because they somehow believe that that's somewhat better than advice that, that may be more reasonably priced, let's say. Okay, so the, so the bottom line is if you're getting free legal aid and you're in a, in a relationship or divorce or separation and there's a house sold and there's obviously you know proceeds to a house then is a 300 grand is go, goes to you or goes to between you the money that you racked up, the bill you've racked up, gets paid? Well, the, the, what the, the, solicitor who, the, the solicitor for the party who's not the legal aid party will generally have carriage of sale at the house because <coughs> legal aid board don't do conveyancing. Right, and okay. they will be obliged, they'll have to undertake, to transfer the other party's proceeds to the legal aid board. 
and then they'll take their, their slice. Fee. Yeah. And okay. now it will be it wouldn't be a full fee, it would be proportionate to what, what was they're not going to take all your money. Right. Okay. So, and well, then there's. Well, I'm just going to throw in another question. Then, does that mean that if you get free legal aid, the, the individuals who are working for you, i.e., your solicitor and barrister, are they? I don't want to be too disparaging, but are they second rate? No. No. Okay. So they, they're good. They're they, good solicitors and barristers. Well, the solicitors who, who work for the legal aid board on the on the on the divorce scheme, say on the, the circuit court panel, are full time legal aid board solicitors. They're paid by the state to work for the state. Right. But, but surely you can make more money privately. Well, I wouldn't say that, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, okay, okay. Well, yes, but, but some people rather the, secure, the security of effectively a civil service job. Right, okay. So where they don't you, have to worry about getting new Okay, so if tomorrow. you get free legal aid, the point is you can't pick and choose your own solicitor. Yes, but in the district court you can. There's a panel of solicitors. Okay. Uh, my Turkish ex-husband and I married 20 years ago in Turkey. When my son was born in Dublin a year into the marriage, he fecked off. I've been looking after our son all these years. I'm Irish, by the way. He has never paid, and now I've been trying to divorce him for the past five years, but he's elusive. Can I divorce him without him? Well, eventually, and she might actually find it easier to divorce him in Turkey and quicker than here. Yeah, but would that, um, would that be... Con- I mean, I don't, what's Turkish law like, for God's sake? Well, no, I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. But, so um, she might she might have a house or something yeah, over yeah, here that she's afraid he's going to get half well, of, maybe. In, any, any divorces that are obtained validly in any other country where the parties... For instance, if you obtain a divorce in Britain, once you fit into the requirements of British law, then that divorce will be valid here. Right, but what happens if she, she's obviously living with her son, so she obviously has a house here, maybe. Maybe she I'm I'm surmising here. Probably doesn't, I would say. Well, maybe she has, maybe she doesn't. But but would he be entitled had to half her house? Well, it, it Yes and no. At, as a starting point, all assets of a marriage are divided equally. But if he's gone 20 years and she's got the house and paid for it, she would be making a fairly strong argument that yeah, he has made no contribution. He's made no role. He made no <coughs> yeah. role in the child's uh, life or her life. And then, I mean, she. How would that work out in Turkey if you're in a court in Turkey? No idea. They'd probably yeah. just lock you up or something. Like that. <laughs> I, just, I wouldn't even like to try and <laughs> chop yeah. your head off. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Now, um, if a child inherits property tax, or if a child inherits a property uh, that is not the family home and its value is lower than the tax-free exemption of three hundred and thirty-five thousand, does a uh, cat? CAT has to be paid if the child sells the property. Well, um, uh, can tax be avoided? Child, they're, they're meaning an adult child. Yeah. As to. It, it, a family home, and this is one of the great. What's CAT, by the way? Mis- sorry, pardon mis- my ignorance. Well, it's capital acquisitions tax. Oh, okay, capital sorry. Gains yes. tax and inheritance tax. Inheritance will be a capital acquisitions tax, CAT. Um, because it's something you acquire. Okay. The capital gain is if I buy something today and sell it tomorrow and you pay capital gains tax on the gain on the profit. Well, he would, no, he want, what he wants to know is that the actual question is, can tax be avoided by living in the property for a period of time? Well, well, firstly, if he takes the property under a will, it doesn't matter if it's a family home. A family home is simply a home that a married couple live in. It's not the house that, for instance, if your mother and father live in a house and they're not married and they've lived in it all their life, it's not a family home. It's only a family home where there's a marriage. So, but what I presume they mean is that this was an investment property that was passed to this son. Once it's below the threshold, then he doesn't have any tax liability, regardless of what the property is, whether it's shares, cash, property. 
mm-hmm. or anything else, a yacht or, you know. Yeah. Um, he will only have a, a tax liability if he sells it down the road. And he will only have a tax liability on the difference. It's as if he bought it today at the value, because when a will is being probated, the revenue, there's various forms that have to be filled in and, and put into revenue, where there's a value put on each asset. So if Johnny gets a house that's worth 300000 it's below his um, inheritance tax threshold, so he's no tax mm-hmm. liability there. If he sells that down the road for 400000 he only has a tax liability on the 100000 because his cost is what he received under the will, <coughs> which is the 300000 Okay. Well, the question <coughs> so he's got 43000 okay. tax, give or take. Right, we've got some questions coming in WhatsApp audio. If you want to send a WhatsApp audio question, you can. Ashley, I'll have a quick listen to before we play them on the air, obviously. 087-188-008. Hi, Niall. I've been willed a parcel of land, but my uncle is allowed farm it for his life. What is the inheritance tax for nephew to uncle? Do you want to hear that again? Well, I think he means uncle to nephew rather than nephew to uncle. His uncle left him out, was that? No, okay, listen again. Hi, Niall. I've been willed a parcel of land, but my uncle is allowed farm it for his life. What is the inheritance tax for nephew to uncle? All right, okay, I do get it. So he's been left the land. He's the nephew. He's the nephew. Yeah, yeah. And, so, and it's yeah, obviously in the will, his his uncle is allowed farm the land that he's been left. So one uncle has left it to him, and another uncle can farm it. Mm-hmm. So I presume is what yeah. I mean. I think he's in B, which is 30, give or take, I haven't got the exact figures in front of me, give or take 35,000 is the threshold there. So he'd have tax liability over the 35,000. Right, okay. So, and even though somebody else is farming the land and making profits? Well, well, that would be dealt with in the value of the land. And that it, there's a complicated tax calculation for that, which you would need his accountant to do. Or, okay. or somebody to actually sit down and do it. Because depending on the age of the uncle who's going to farm the land, yeah, you know, it... it because it's effectively like a right of residence. It, it does seem to be a, it does be a complicated one. With respect to our caller, it does seem yeah. to be a complicated one. You might have to sit down with a solicitor and an accountant yeah. to work and out. And I'm sure the solicitor is dealing with it. would be well able to advise him on the particular... Right, OK. Somebody says, uh, how do you prove you've been living apart for divorce when I can't afford to move out and still live with my, my par- ex-partner, even though we live separate lives? We are still parents to our two children, but we are not separated yet either, as I thought I could do them both together. Obviously, the divorce and separation together. So how do you prove? Because the last stage, you must be living apart. I think she's taking that literally. Yes, but living apart doesn't mean that you don't live in the same house. Living apart means that the, the marriage has ended. So, Basically, what, so what's the calculation? Yeah. There was a definition of that years ago that if they don't wash your clothes or make your dinner or oh, something well, like that, wasn't it? Means if, well, in, in reality, if both parties come into court or swear in, in, in their, their proceedings, except that they've been living apart for, two, for the past two years, as it is now under new legislation, then there's nobody going to look behind that. Okay, so once so they take your honesty. It's an affidavit. Well, you're, you're affidavit. Up to it and you're telling the court that you're separated for the past two years. So, you, so you could invariably only be one year apart and just tell the court you're two years apart. Obviously, no, I couldn't answer that question. Okay, all right, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I have my divorce case delayed twice due to COVID, and I'm due back in court in July. Can I claim any losses that I've incurred in the past thirteen months for the delay so far? Well, I'm sure the person solicitor will advise them to do an updated affidavit of means, which will cover any. Uh, which would bring up their, bring their financial situation up to the current time, which is, I suppose they're lucky that it's only been adjourned twice, and oh, they're well, in, in July. 
Yeah, but 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 in saying that, I think what the point they're trying to make is, it, obviously, it's cost them more money because they didn't get divorced. In other words, can they sue the state? I think is the point. The, the question, isn't it? Um, For any losses, well, that would be an interesting question as we move through the next year. Whether people take that position, and I'm right. sure that there will be many challenges against the state from business interests and in that. Um, whether there are some from the in relation to divorces, be an interesting question. Yeah. Okay. There's a question here about lockdowns, but Maliki is not an expert on lockdowns and human rights. He's not a human rights lawyer because this guy actually said a question for Perry Mason while you have him on the air there. I'm not, and he's asking all about Neffed and our supreme leader Tony Hulan. And does he have any rights to break the guidelines? Well, I'm not, you don't have to ask that, Maliki. I won't. People know my views on those. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so he says, My neighbour used to be very nice and mannerly towards us, but ever since my son got his new car, they have been noticeably banging at all hours of the day and night. We have asked them politely to keep the noise down, but it has since got worse. Where do I stand? Yeah, noisy neighbours. Is that a common problem, is it? Well, sometimes, in, in certain estates it is. I mean, that's a matter for the council in general to deal with because they can bring in... It, it depends on the noise and on the noise levels, but from what the party is, people are saying... Um, the noise levels may not exceed the you know the the usual noise level. Say if you're having parties all the time or something like that. Mm. Um, so, but if it's a council house, of course you can report them to the council. Well, no, Mind you, the council are unlikely to chuck yeah. anybody out. Yeah, but even if it's not council and there's an increased noise, you can get the council to come out and check that and see. Yeah, if there, there is, is there is fact. environmental laws. What isn't kind there? of a car did they? This one actually boy. I don't, I don't know, <laughs> but, but there is environmental laws, isn't yes, there? Yes, that's. That, and that's what I'm saying. That's the council that implements those. All right, okay. Uh, what, step can I, what steps can I take with regard to a sibling, age 56, coercively targeting my mother? I don't know what that exactly means, but I, I'm assuming it's trying to get money out of her or trying to yeah, get her to sign see, her on the will or something like that, probably. Yeah, and often these cases are, you know, one person's view of somebody else coercing a, a, an elderly um, relative is because they're now out of the loop. Mm. And you need to be, you know, you sh- if, if the mother is not, a, or the, 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 presume it's the mother they're talking about, is not able to deal with her own affairs, then in the absence of an enduring power of attorney being in place, then she can get the, the, the woman made or the court, or she can employ for that. But that would imply that... The mother's not of sound mind. Yes, or that she's certainly being manipulated. And it's a very high threshold... Right, so so if if you believe the, the the mother is very old and e- an easy target, you could you could make your own mother award a court. Well, you can apply to the court and, and right, okay. You know, the court will decide, and you need medical experts in that. But it generally, it's, it's for people who are not able to deal with their own. Okay, well, so with somebody with Alzheimer's, yeah. maybe or whatever. No, I mean, okay. of course, if, if somebody is, is abusing her and spending all our money and all of that, and then it may verge on the criminal. Um, abuse. Okay. Uh, I'm a male 50 plus and I've been physically abused for years now by my wife, but I have felt no option but to report it to the Gardaí but every time it seems they never take my reports very seriously. Is there anything I can do about it? As if I was a woman, I think I'd get plenty of assistance. Well, you see, I mean, if he doesn't have any orders in place, there's very little the police can do. Whether it's a man or a woman, and they'll tell you that, because if, if a woman even goes in, unless she has a whole range of bruises, they'll just tell her to go off and get a protection order or a safety order, and then they'll enforce that. But, but, but is it, are, we still at a, are we still at a point whereby if a woman walks into a police station and a man walks into a police station with the same complaint, i.e. their husband or their wife is being abusive, that women are taken more seriously? 
pretty much depends on, on the guard you meet when you go in. Mm. Like a lot of things. But right? I mean, you you would you would know from listening to your your clients. I was going to say your customers, your clients on a regular basis. You know, have you noticed that you know when it comes to Ungarda Shikana and dealing with and, and I know they are civil matters. Um, that dealing with civil matters, mind you, they can become criminal matters if somebody's being physically abused. I mean, do you think the guards take women more seriously or give more assistance still to this point? I think they women? certainly give them more sympathy. Um, but but I think men have the perception that they won't get a fair hearing, so they don't bother going. And it, men would see it as a sign of weakness to go in and say they're after being beaten up or they're being emotionally abused by their wife because it's it's not the mm-hmm. normal hunter-gatherer kind of role. Mm-hmm. Um but anybody who's in any of those situations, they need to get um, a, a protection order and ultimately a safety order, you know, which the guards will then enforce regardless of which party holds holds the order. And what happens? So you have a safety order and, OK, so it doesn't mean your wife or your husband is going to get kicked out of the house. But then as no, soon as they... And, and as soon as they, under a safety order, let's say they walk in and they even start raising their voice at you. Yeah, you can ring the police and the police will come and... Remove what? them. Remove them. And what happens? Well, they just get removed and charged. Well, depending on, on the, the severity of it, it, there seems to be an increasing amount of people being charged with, because they, these are nobody else to charge with things during lockdown because crime dropped mm. uh, in general. There was no burglaries, for instance. There was nobody to arrest for that. So they seem to be concentrating on prosecuting people for breaching protection orders and safety orders in cases that normally wouldn't amount to much. You know, somebody sending text messages or something like that, and they end up then with a criminal conviction for something that the state has decided to prosecute because they've nothing else to do. Um, Okay, well, about... um, My solicitor hasn't returned my calls after my Barney with her last week. Oh, so they obviously had a row with their solicitor. So can you change solicitors mid-case? Yes, of course, as long as you pay the first one. Right, okay, so what happens if you've had a Barney with the solicitor? The solicitor obviously still has to be professional about it, don't they? Yes, I'm sure didn't just have a Barney. They may have had a disagreement then. Right. You know, she uh, should contact the solicitor and, you know, discharge her costs so far mm. and move somewhere else if that's or, or try and resolve the issue. Okay, I have an extremely difficult... Because often, te- just, uh, often that people think they have a Barney when the solicitor is actually trying to tell them the reality of the situation and they, they they don't want to accept the reality you know I mean, what percentage of divorce cases or separation cases I mean this, d- divorce is not a big deal at all it's the separation itself right but what, what percentage of those cases end up acrimonious in Any, court anywhere there's money involved well in other words if there's property yes if there's no money there and there's nothing to fight about but then, then it's just sign a piece of paper and you can yeah. do it for 400 quid yeah uh, okay, um, somebody says here, I'm going through a separation and my two children are over the age of 18. Why are the courts still treating them as if they're children? One is working at 19 and the other has almost finished college at 22. When do they stop being children? Well, the one who's working at 18 presumably is not in college. 19, so that's 19, 19 so yeah. that's, He's out of the loop, or she. The one who's still in college is 22. So at either he finishes college before he's 23 or 23. Okay, so they're still, so essentially... They're still children up to the age of 23 or when they finish full-time if education. Or right. in full-time education. Right, but if you've only got one child and they don't bother going to college and they go to work at 19 years of age, they're that's out it. The loop. They're yeah. out of the loop. They're gone. And it doesn't matter how much they earn? No. No, it's irrelevant. Okay. 
Um, we'll see. I'm thinking of getting... Oh, I had that one already. Uh, I have an extremely difficult tenant refusing to pay bills. Makes all other tenants in the house want to leave. Racist, aggressive and impossible to deal with. What are my options? Do you know much about tenancy law? Well, it's a nightmare. Okay. And what I see is that uh, most accidental landlords, for instance, people who mortgage their house to buy another house during the Celtic Tiger to, to use as their pension fund when the mortgage will be paid off, are getting a raw deal and are getting out of the business. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have, it, it's almost impossible to get a tenant out who doesn't want to go. If somebody stops, if those, that tenant stops paying that landlord the rent, it'll probably be three years by the time he gets him out. Depending on his court cases and everything. Well, uh, yeah, because it'll go through the PRTB. It'll end up in court. It'll end up in the circuit court whenever. It'll get adjourned and dragged on. And eventually, you know, he'll well, get in the, the interim, I'm assuming there'll be eviction orders sent out and stuff like that, but they'll be all ignored. You might as well put them in the bin. Right, okay. You know, and that is, that's the problem. That's why all of your listeners there who have mortgages are paying 2% above everybody else in Europe because banks and landlords can't repossess properties because the system won't allow it and all the, the begrudgers and the, the do-gooders out there will be up in arms. Okay, I'm in my 30s and I'm currently thinking, I'm thinking of uh, starting a will but I have no idea how to go about it. My 30 is quite young but however, it's a good idea. Maybe you're a sensible mm-hmm. person. People get run over by buses. Oh, well, of course. Yeah. In effort, last year there was going to be 120,000 of those people dead by this time. Oh, okay, well they, they got that wrong. What are the first steps? Contact your solicitor. <laughs> right, okay. Can you do a will up yourself? There's wills online. and te- I know you don't want to be telling people that, but there's templates online. Can you do a, a, a will up yourself and then just get your... Can I just write a letter tonight, for example? Does it have to be done in some sort of legal manner? Can I just write a letter? Uh, when I die, I want to leave this to this, 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 and then just go and get a solicitor to well, sign Well, it. there are requirements for a will to be valid. And obviously, if I start telling you them now, people will start doing their own wills. <laughs> you know, I'll be doing myself out of business. But there are certain requirements. Wait, is that a big part of your business, Malachi? Is it wills? Well, yeah. well it's, a, it's a significant enough part, yeah. And probate would be, you know, a significant enough part. Um, all, all property goes to probate, no. now, doesn't it? Well, you see... Even if there is a will, it goes to probate, doesn't well, it? Well, once there's a will, it goes to probate. If there's no will and you have some assets, it goes into administration, which is still in the probate office, but it's administration. Mm-hmm. Probate is just the High Court saying that this will is valid and that the executors are now entitled to deal with the assets and call them in, sell the house or whatever, and empty the bank accounts and distribute the money mm-hmm. to, to pay off the bills and pay, you know, distribute the money to the beneficiaries. Yeah. But people need, you know, to... and I mean, if you make a will and you get married, then your will is gone. You need to make a new will after you get married. Because marriage brings in the Succession Act and, and people who are married are entitled. For instance, you can't rule your wife out of your will. So, um, like, okay, so let's say, oh, going back to one of the, the questions here, I'm trying to make it relevant to one of the questions. Let's say you're going through a separation. I'll probably give you the answer without the question. Well, if, yeah, so if you're going through a separation divorce and you feel, well, you have to obviously leave your wife something in your will because she's still, your, she's still technically your wife. And although it can take three or four years to get divorced in Ireland... She's still technically your wife, but do you have to leave? Is it half? Well, well, after divorce, in, in any divorce decree, there would be a waiver of succession act rights. So whether you make a will after your divorce or not, your wife is gone. You've no spouse, right? Right. Now, if if you die today, being married, yeah. If your wife has children, which is she's entitled to two towards your estate, and right. the other toward go to your children, right. 
and that's whether it. you leave a will or not. Right, and right. you can and you can decide where the other third goes. Yes. Now, most people, uh, most married couples, will leave everything to the wife or to the husband, and then after the the second one dies, it goes to the kids. Now, when you, when you, now, when you say kids, provided kids are of the definition well, of the word well, kids. So if they're over 23, well, uh, they're not well, kids. We're talking in general about adult children, because most people don't die till their children are adults. Yeah. If, if, you're, if, if you are younger and making a will, you would have to allow for um, guardians for your younger children and that, you know, so it's, it's slightly more complicated. But, um, right, okay, no, that's no, okay. Uh, hi, now, please, can you ask? Uh, I have a judicial separation. Um, oh, hold on, see here. Uh, last uh, something six years, all is agreed and divided and accessible, accessibly agreed with kids. Uh, can't she come back again for more? Have full and final settlement signed and signed out of pension. How do I stand as I've worked my way through this and built up my own company? Uh, she, can she go into company assets? I get the general gist. Okay, so he hasn't got. A, I, I'm assuming he hasn't got a divorce. But he, he hasn't, hasn't got a divorce. He's a judicial separation. separation. So a judicial separation. The only difference between a divorce and a judicial separation is a divorce gives you the right to make the same mistake again, and it deals. With is the that pension. the only difference? Well, it deals with the pension because pensions allow for most pensions would allow for a, a spousal benefit. If you're only judicially separated, you're you still have a spouse legally, right? You still have a wife. So she's still a beneficiary on your pension. So you need to get a pension adjustment order, which can only be done ultimately in a divorce. Now, right, okay. And the, the other part of the question was, can she come can back she for come the back second by the second by the cherry? Yeah, yeah. In reality, yes. And even after divorce, yes, she can. But how, okay, but how, okay. In Ireland, we have a very different law when it comes to divorce and separation, whereby. A wife or husband you've separated from can come back if you've say won the lottery or you've you've done really well in life after you got divorced. But the likelihood of a judge agreeing to that are slim, from what I believe. Well, there, there have been some cases where, particularly high net worth individuals, where one party took, um, I think, the woman took certain assets which lost value in the in the crash. The husband had different assets, which gained in value, and she was able to come back. She had made be- he had made better investments than her, and she was able to come back in and get another. I can't remember what figure, but she got a substantial mm-hmm. chunk of money on the second. Do you think that, well, do you think that's fair? No. And why do we, and, and, why, and why do we still have that in family law in this country? Because, because surely two people get divorced. They should be allowed to go and lead their own lives without any impingement from the other person. In other words, like if somebody gets divorced and then gets remarried again, as you said, makes the same mistake. Well, then, no, if they got remarried, then you're into a different scenario. So, so okay. Yes. Well, then, is the advice to to get remarried as quick as you possibly can to avoid your ex getting some of your your earnings? Well, uh, you may be, (laughs) you know. Biting off your nose to spite your face there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, somebody says, hi, could you ask this for me? I'm divorced since 2016. He was to pay 50% of schooling, extra bills, etc. Uh, we have one child and he pays 50 euro weekly maintenance. Soon after the divorce, he moved away and doesn't see the child. We have no idea where he is and makes no contact to change number, etc. My question is, should I go back to get access and guardianship revoked? This would be easier for me in relation to passports, school forms, etc. Well, I mean, the, the access, if he's not taking up the access, there's really nothing you can do about it. You know, you can't, can't force him to. And there's not really any point in spending money going to court to change that. 
in terms of the passport, if he can't be found and the children are still children, an application to the district court will suspend suspend with his... Um, the necessity to get him to sign, yeah. Because there's no judge that I've come across that will refuse a child a passport or a holiday. Right, okay. So, so she can go and get the so passport. So, so it's just a case of going down to the district, down to your local district yeah. clerk's office. And our and difficulty in trying to bring any applications against him in relation to maintenance that is if she can't find him. Mm. You know, that's. And surely somebody knows where he is, you know? Yeah. Because there's always somebody that knows. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I could read out questions here uh, all day long or all night long. There's any amount of the Maliki. I mean, family law is extremely complicated. Is Irish family law, by the way, in general, is it any better than any other country? Is it any worse than any other country? Is it an antiquated system? We hear people all the time. I actually put a poll there on Twitter a while ago saying, do you believe that family law uh, favours women or men? And the majority of people believe it favours women. And Um, it probably does. It needs to be totally updated. We need to get out of an adversarial system. And because Irish law in general is adversarial and family law proceedings are adversarial, and that means... The husband has to go in and fight against the wife. Mm -hmm. And a lot of issues are brought up in in divorces and judicial separations and in all kinds of family law proceedings that really have nothing... They're not relevant. ...to to do. Like, for instance, in a divorce, it is of no interest to a judge or anybody else involved in the proceedings if, if one party went off with somebody else or whatever happened in the marriage. Because once it's accepted that it's broke and it can't be fixed... And, of course, the Irish system is a no-blame system. Well... Uh, yeah, well, well, a lot of people wouldn't agree with that, by the way. A lot of people do believe there should be blame attached, i.e. if you're the one who wants to break the contract of marriage, you're the one who should walk away probably with nothing. Yeah, but unfortunately, the contract of marriage, which, which is signed when you get married, doesn't really have any terms and conditions other than that, that you sleep with the other party. <laughs> you know, and, that's, and, and once that's done, then it's but not is avoidable. In, but marriage. is infidelity not a legal term? Not anymore. No, it's not really. But, I mean, it is still in some countries. I mean, if you were, say, in California and you get divorced and you have an unfaithful partner, they aren't getting very little. The judge will see them in a very dim light. Yeah, but it's, it's that fair either. You know, if, if it's... Well, it, well, it is really, isn't it? I mean, because if you're in a marriage and you're putting everything into it, the other person is, you know, going around with half the neighbourhood and you find out about it or whatever it is and you're getting divorced. Yeah, but invariably you find in California the person who's putting it all in, as in money-wise, is also the person who's gone off and done that. Probably, yeah, probably. <laughs> okay, so, uh, so you think, do you think the system... When was, by the way, the family law as, as it stands now, when was that system actually put into it? Well, it's evolved over the years. And, and you know, and divorce only here in 1996. Um, and the, the legislation has continued to evolve. I mean, the two years um, reduction only come in in the last referendum mm-hmm. after that, in fact. Yeah. But it needs, we need to move away from a court system. We need to move much more towards to mediation. mediation. And that everything is agreed, you know, in, in the best way that it can. And that, that we have to reduce the amount of friction and the amount of costs. Um, and people need to... You're doing yourself out of work here, Malachi. Well, yeah. yeah, but, you know, I think... You're talking be, yourself out of a job. Yeah, and I think that, that these families are, are horrendous. Yeah. You know, and... There has to be a certain level of fees, but some of it is totally unjustified. Mm. You know, in, in many cases, it shouldn't relate to the value of the assets. You know, there's a sense that the more money that's there, the more money that practitioners are entitled to. Yeah. When, you know, that really has little to do... It's still the same job. Yeah, you're yeah, still doing the same job. Obviously, if, if there's a lot of bit, properties and, and 
businesses and that there's a lot more work to, to deal with the actual mm. financial side of it. But for, for your normal Joe Soap, there's only one house, one bank account. Yeah. You know, and it's relatively straightforward. And, and half a pension. You know, and you see, <laughs> if we had, and particularly as we move now towards second and third marriages and later marriages in life where people have some assets, that we should be accepting pre-nu- effectively prenuptials. So we should be widening the contract of marriage. Well, I, I think prenuptials in the second and third marriage where you've already had children and, you know, they're growing up and you're most likely not going to have any more because obviously children will change that agreement because if you sign a prenup and you don't have children, if children come into it, they have to be provided well, for. Well, that's, yes. Of course. There, there has to be a certain level of people holding... I, I mean, if, if, for instance, two people separate, uh, get divorced at 50 and they both have some assets... Say they both end up with a house each, and then they move on to another marriage to people with, with a house each as well. So mm. just to take that in, in terms of, you know, where society might be at. So now you have four houses amongst four people. Shouldn't, it, when those marriages break down again, if they break down again, shouldn't those people be able to walk away with their houses? Yeah, somebody says here, by the way, I won't be getting married after listening to Maliki for the last, last half an hour. Too much hassle, says John. Too much hassle to get out. It's the easiest thing to get into. Yeah, walk down the aisle. Well, listen, Maliki, thank you very much indeed uh, for taking the, the questions tonight. I know I put you on the spot, one or two of them. I didn't expect you to know all the answers, but there you go. And any advice, by the way, that was given on the show tonight, once again, please do get a second opinion or indeed go to Maliki in person or your own solicitor in person uh, and give them all the details because obviously we're only hearing one side of the question, so to speak. Uh, Maliki Steenson, thank you very much indeed. Thanks, and by the way, if if you want any more information or you want any more information related to what Maliki was talking, what I'll do is if you go to my Twitter account or a Facebook page there, we'll put a link up to Maliki's uh, practice there and you can contact him yourself, all right? But I'd rather not give out too much information. There's other questions that come in, by the way. I couldn't read out all of them uh, because some of them contained very personal details and names and stuff like that. And on the fly, it's very difficult to change them as I'm reading them. So unfortunately, I couldn't read out every single question. But thank you to the hundreds of questions that came in. And I will get Maliki. Somebody said, would you please get him on again? Uh, it was fascinating to listen to. Somebody said, that was absolutely fascinating to listen to now. Um, hmm. His knowledge is amazing. He does know a lot about it. He's been working on it for quite some number of years. He does know a lot about family law. Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hit.